It's March 2nd, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's guest is Dane Sanders, and if you listen to more podcasts than one on photography, you've no doubt heard uh, other interviews with Dane Sanders. He's the author of the recent book, Fast Track Photographer, and he's also an accomplished wedding photographer in his own right. And though he's been interviewed by a lot of other podcasts, and you've more than likely have heard his story before, I've always enjoyed what Dane has brought to the table in terms of his belief and his ideas regarding living the photographic life as a professional wedding photographer. And rather than just, you know, go over a lot of the things that you probably have heard him uh, talk about before, I thought I'd take a little different take on it and have a discussion about some of the things that I thought really piqued my interest in terms of what what he's been saying in his book and his various podcasts. So I'll leave it at that. So now sit back and enjoy our conversation with Dane Sanders. Well, Dane Sanders, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's really my pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited about uh, uh, talking to you. I've been following you ever since you did the Simple Photo Minute back way back when, and uh-huh. um, and you've been interviewed by a variety of different people because of your of your new book, the Fast Track Photographer, but. Uh, instead of going into the whole history of Dane Sanders, I think people can find that elsewhere. There's, sure. there was, there was a quote that I heard you say on another show that just, you know, ignited fireworks for me, and that was that idea that you had. And let me see if I can remember correctly. I think you said that we're in the job of, of earning people's trust to enter their lives, or something, some variation of that. And, yeah, that's right. And I was very moved by that whole whole idea, and I think that really speaks to an important part of what we hope to do as photographers. And I was hoping that we could speak on on that. So why don't you start off and, and, and explain what that idea is for you? Sure. Well, I know that you you get a lot of listeners to the show, and and I know that there's different genres of photography that are represented here. So I don't want to make any presumption that that I know anything about you know, nature photography or other kind of genres, but specifically when it talks, when we're talking about shooting um, people, uh, there's something that that is compelling to me about the idea that people want to work with people they like and they trust, and especially when you're doing something as intimate as um, taking their picture, uh, there, there's a transaction that goes on. Um, and it was really interesting. The other day I was watching uh, Life Through Lens on Annie Leibovitz, and you know, she's a hero to so many of us, and what she's done with portrait work over the years, from the early '60s to, to you know, rock and roll music to Rolling Stone to Vanity Fair and all everything she's done in Vogue, everything. She, um, I believe that if you were to interview the the thousands of of her subjects, they would universally say, "We don't know what Annie's going to do. We don't even care. We just trust her, <laughs> and mm-hmm. she, we just know whatever she's going to do is going to be magnificent." And uh, probably put me in a light that I never even knew of myself in. And that's the portrait work. Well, I think it goes well beyond portrait work. And I think whether you're, you're a celebrity or you're Sally 
Jones, who's getting married and just wants their wedding chapter uh, right, we're in the trust business. And everything that we do, from uh, in the honing of our craft to our marketing efforts to how we communicate, what our message is, all those things, um, if they don't promote the idea of trust building, then I think we're really putting ourselves in a, in a, in a vulnerable position about ultimately becoming a commodity. Uh, because if, if at the end of the day, people don't trust you, then what they're going to, they still need to get their pictures taken. So they'll, they'll hire you based on uh, how can they get the cheapest price service um, possible. Uh, you know, the, the best value service for the cheapest price, a true commodity. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we're really vulnerable. And I think, especially in the down economy, this the worst economy in history. Um, if you're trying to convince people to hire you, uh, you're going to have a really hard time. But when they trust you and they know that they can't really trust anybody else, uh, they will find a way to uh, commission your work. Yeah. You often say, I've heard you say that, you know, you are not your photography. And I Yeah. Think, and, and I, and I, get, I, I get in trouble for that. Why? why? People get, well, there's a lot of artists out there who who uh, who who like their work more than I think they like themselves, mm. <laughs> and they'd they'd rather be their photography than be a photographer. Uh, that's just I'm making that up in my head, but I that's my inclination. Is there's a lot of lot of very creative introverts out there that would like their output to be who they are, and I I think it's just tragic. I think that each of us as creatives are are created ourselves and that we're created to, um, to be the source of value that, that is creating and the output can shift all the time. Like if, when, uh, Cartier-Bresson was, was, uh, taking pictures, you know, the output was amazing. And then when he gave up picture taking and started drawing, that became the value, you know, he, he was the value engine. The output just was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's more and more interesting is the more he kind of, went into new places and tried new things. And I think that's true of all artists. But we shouldn't mix our medium up with, uh, or the, with, with who we actually are. And, um, but yeah, I, I get in trouble sometimes because I think, I think uh, photography, it's safer if, if we are photography and, and less vulnerable, I think, to put ourselves on display. Yeah. I mean, when you, make, when you make mention of the idea of portraiture, I think oftentimes when you think about photographers like Avedon or Leibovitz or Irving, Irving Penn, people yeah. who sign up yeah. with them are signing up with them. They assume that the, 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 the photographs are going to be a certain level of quality, but oftentimes people who hire these guys are often desiring of the experience of working with these oh, people. Oh, sure. That's really the yeah. reason why they, they, they sign up for them, because they're... You know, there are a lot or, of photographers or, or that what, deliver quality work. Well, or what they think the experience is going to be. Like, it's funny, I, I was really shocked when I saw um, Haley's work, because when she's actually shooting, it sure appears as though her shoots are about five minutes long. Um, and it's all in the prep that takes the tens of hours. And, you know, mm. people are... I thought it was incredible. I think it was a Vanity Fair shoot that she did with Kirsten Dunst, and, and it was uh, in support of, of some period movie that she was doing and it took her I think seven hours to get her hair and makeup and costume right and then she showed up and Andy showed up and took the pictures and ten minutes later she had to go take a shower <laughs> yeah. and Kirsten and was even complaining on tape saying uh, I'm, I'm a little bit let down I would, have, I would think it shot by Annie Leibovitz and you know what happened and, and, and she did uh, but I think that 
that uh, we all make so many things up in our minds. I, I, I certainly would be um, thrilled to have 10 minutes with Andy Leibovitz doing anything. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that um, people are, they are, they do want an experience. I, I think actually what people want more than an experience is they want souvenirs. Uh, they want to, it's like going to the, the, the U2 concert and making sure you get a t-shirt before you leave to prove to everybody that you got your, you were there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, with some, especially the, the, um, the very well-known photographers, um, because it's not about the photography, actually. It's about association to the photographer. Just a second. I'm so sorry about that. No worries. Um, because of association to the photographer, they actually just want proximity. And that proximity is what is going to create value. But they want proof that they had the proximity, so they'll buy the print or they'll, they'll you know, buy, the, buy the, the T-shirts. Or in my case, you know, I have a lot of people who buy my book and probably don't even read it, <laughs> but they, but, <laughs> but they like me and they're kind enough to, you know, and they want, they want proof that we connected and, and that, that's a little bit overstated. I, I've been very, very encouraged people who've listened and read my, my work and, and, um, and it's fun, like, it's funny, my, uh, my dear, I, well, dear to me, I don't know what I am to him, but Seth Godin, who's this, I'm, he's an absolute hero to me and really it's a guy that opened up. Um, the idea of, he's not a photographer, of course, but he, he's, a, he's a marketer. And, but he's a, a one with integrity, and I believe he's a true artist in that regard. And he was the one who suggested that um, uh, if you really want, that everybody's going to trust this, that everybody believes that marketers and anyone who provides a service that has to be a marketer, it's a photographer, uh, photographers are marketers, uh, that everyone assumes that all marketers are liars. And, uh, you, you need to earn your way in again. You need to have people actually want to have, have you in their life. And if, if uh, that has nothing to do with photography, ironically. In fact, when he, he endorsed my book, and, and uh, I was in New York City and had a chance to hear him speak, and in front of this crowd of like 500 people, he's, he's uh, holding up my book saying, hey, uh, Dane, Dane, uh, Dane wrote a book about photography that isn't about photography. <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I think there's some real truth to that. I, I think it's more about humanity. It's about you know identity and, and who we are. It's certainly a book for creatives, but but it's not a it's not a technical book. And and I think that's because in the same way that you wisely didn't want to know much about you know because people can find out other things about me in other places about my history and my story. Um, Lord knows I love talking about myself, uh, but it's not very interesting. Uh, and I think in the same way, learning the technique of photography, the technique isn't very interesting. Uh, it's what people do with those tools that is compelling. Yeah. And, and that really should flow from who you are as a person. And, then, and, you know, there's a certain excitement and a thrill about being creative. And I, and I think that that is actually probably one of the biggest magnets that can photographers use, whether they're amateur or professional, to help draw people in. Because most people don't experience much in terms of creativity in their lives. They're constantly being right. sold and marketed to in terms of products or services. But, you know, having an opportunity to become involved in something creative, even if you're the photographic subject, is often a real exciting exciting and thrilling thing and can be used as a way of being able for you to leverage your passion to do what you exactly what you want to do. Absolutely. That's so well put. I mean, you think back way, way back to the, like none of us have the right to be creatives. Um, it's always the, uh, aristocracy who got to decide who, get, who were the creatives. <laughs> yeah. If they like you, they commission your work and let you come around the round table. And if not, 
well, then you were a craftsman at the door trying to peddle your wares. And, and I think that, that, uh, because we're, I mean, again, it's the people who are willing to take the risk and put themselves in a vulnerable position. They, I believe they're the ones who will always get the rewards, the high risk, high reward. And, and it's also high, you know, if they're, they don't create, really get creative, then, then it's also potential for high loss. But, but you're right. That, that, that idea of creativity, I, I wish we spent more time on it and less time on, um, on technique. Because technique, again, uh, unless you're the first one to come up with the technique, it's not very creative. Really, we're just emulating other people's techniques that they mastered. And, and I think that if we would do ourselves a great service if we could um, jettison some of that and really go after um, finding something new or making something new. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you have you ever interviewed uh, John Michael Cooper. No, Jerry no, Jonas? no. Okay, John Michael Cooper. He he's probably one of my favorite examples of true creativity. He um, and this get a kick out of this because he saw these shows way back when. But John Michael Cooper is a he's a wedding photographer. He's he's out of Las Vegas. Um, he every a lot of folks know the phrase "trash the dress," mm-hmm. uh, which is which is kind of a after the wedding. Uh, get the bride to take her dress and you know roll around the mud or whatever you want to do, okay. and um, and the thought is well she's not going to wear the dress again anyway so let's have a fun shoot to do the things that people would never have done. Well, John invented trash the dress, and uh, John did a lot more than that. In fact, he might he he's done a he's been on my show a handful of times, and uh, like on one show he he took a bride. Uh, to the desert to, uh, in uh, Las Vegas, and he got this, the bride to kind of pose on this massive sand dune, kind of almost like a Titanic-like look, like looking over the bow of a boat or something. And um, uh, he had it on the tripod, and he froze the shot. And then he had the bride step away and undress, and he took a blow-up doll and put the dress back on the, on the blow-up doll in the exact same position and lit the dress on fire. Yeah, and I've then seen that. And then the images, images together. That's John's picture. Well, um, that's, that's creativity in my mind. That's, that's taking what we think is so and turning it on its head. Uh, my favorite episode he ever did for me uh, was, I used to do this, this bit called What's in Your Bag, and I'd go around and interview photographers, made up into the bags and talk about what's inside. And he saw right through my little scheme and said, I want to be creative with what's in my bag. So he did a What's in My Bag episode, and he just did it himself. And he, and he goes, oh, what's in my bag? And he opened his bag, and he dumped all the contents on the floor, all of them like from five feet up onto cement, things were breaking, the whole thing. And his point was he was making an artistic statement of creativity of, you guys think your stuff is what matters, and you're missing the whole point. And again, it, was, it floated over the top of most people when they saw it, but yeah. it blew my mind when I saw what he did, because it was funny, everyone thought it was clever, but people, I talked to him just a few days ago about it, and I said, you were up to something in that, weren't you? You weren't just trying to be clever or funny, you were you were making a statement. And he was like, yes, finally somebody got what I was up to. Mm-hmm. And I, he's the kind of, you should get, get him on the show. Uh, you'll be so glad you met him. He is, he is such a true creative. Yeah. And I, I wish, it's funny, I think there's a lot of photographers who build themselves as creatives and artists when really they're not because they're not willing to take the vulnerable effort of really putting themselves on display and taking a risk. Well, you probably see a whole lot of, of diversity in terms of photographers out there. You know, some who are taking risks, some who are a lot very conservative. Particularly, you know, when you go to these 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 trade shows, 
What what do you yeah. when you you know you you've collaborated with a lot of photographers you 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 consult with a lot of photographers what is the what is the thing that you feel like that you need to see from them to feel like you know that they'll be able to have a breakthrough moment in terms of their career and and their work I mean there's a lot you can you can exist as a photographer as a working photographer for quite a long time yeah. and not have that but what does it take in order to to move to that to that next level? Uh, great question. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's some base things in it that I, I think that are always true of every, every, anyone who's a success in any industry and, you know, they work really hard. Uh, I think there's some people who, they, maybe they found a, uh, some low-hanging fruit, uh, some a client network that they don't really like to work hard very much anymore and they just kind of sit, they found a groove and they're kind of, they're not really interested in going to a next level. They're more interested in kind of grinding it out. And I don't think those folks have much of an opportunity. Um, I do think that folks who log a lot of um, energy towards something that's just a little beyond themselves in, in, the, in faith that they're going to find it, I think they have a lot, lot more hope. I do think people need to be op- op- opportunistic. Uh, if you don't have opportunity in the midst of your hard work, you're not really going to make a breakthrough, in my experience. Uh, I think a lot of photographers who are willing to not only work very hard but be a service and go after opportunity, create opportunity, uh, maybe maybe start cross-shooting and just shooting in their own genre, but maybe shooting in other genres and having that inform their primary kind of mode of, like in their profession, I think could be very helpful. Um, but they also have to look look very closely at who are the people that that ultimately are, it sounds weird to say commissioning because they're not necessarily paying for it, but are, are going to be the, the gateways to opportunity. And let me give you a specific example. Like, I think, I think of, well, John's actually a, good, a great example. I met John Michael Cooper. Nobody knew who he was. And um, I invited him on the Simple Phone a minute. And some people knew in a small group that the Digital Wedding Forum knew who this guy John was. And uh, he was kind of micro-famous in this little group online. And he had done a, a, a wonderful image. It was one of the first trash dust images. It was, uh, I think it was called Reviving Ophelia or something like that. And it was uh, Awaking Ophelia. And it was a, a, a bride, beautiful woman, um, with her face cresting the water and the, her beautiful white flowing dress. It was a very blue, dark image. Um, and she w- it looked like she was dead. And you could see the, the, the wedding dress flowing underwater and her face crusting. It was just, it, and it's a total throwback to, you know, Hamlet and um, amazing image. And again, in that little circle, it was very famous. But John, hard worker, incredibly creative. The, the handmade books he makes, unbelievable. But uh, we met each other, and I said, hey, I want to do this podcast thing. And he jumped at it. And I became a catalyst for him to be known on a, on a larger level. And I think that's one of the reasons why John uh, made it through. Like, And I'm tempted in my arrogance to think, you know, I made John... Michael Cooper, which is just false. John, John made John Michael Cooper. Just, I was just one of the many folks who was willing to put him on display in a way that people could, where he could get a break. Yeah. Uh, and now he's, he's been all over the place. And I think that, um, and John gives me way too much credit because he, he would have found his way anyways with someone. But, but it's, um, it's that combination of hard work uh, and a break here and there. And, and a vision to go places that may be feeling, may feel, make you feel um, uncomfortable and a, and, a, and a real stretch beyond yeah. what you are, would probably do. How, is, how important is that idea of being of service, not so much to your customers, but to your 
compatriots to maybe even your people that you or others might see as competitors? Oh yeah. Well, it's critical. I mean, I, I think I think of uh, politicians all the time in this category. You know, on the surface, we think politicians hate each other, especially if they're on different you know different teams. And and I think if you get real close to them, they still might hate each other ideologically, but they tend to go drink wine and drink beer later together too. And I think it's because they have a vision. They know that they're going to fight tooth and nail when they're on the playing field, but they're also all going to be around for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years. And I think if you just look at your competition as or your colleagues as, um, as just that as competition, as something that you want, you're not going to get ahead unless they get knocked out. Um, you're, you're not going to make it in this industry. Uh, it's just it's short-sighted. Uh, competition makes people sharper. It makes people create better work. Um, it makes people insecure, and they're driven by fear and a whole bunch of things. But uh, competition is an absolute gift. We would we would make no progress if we weren't competing. But at the, but at the same time, they're not. It's not. Um, it's not based in envy, where you know I win if you lose, or if you win I lose. Uh, it's it's more. No, let's go at it toe to toe. And if you win, like you get the gig or you get the whatever, then I celebrate you because I'm going to get you next time. And and when when there's that kind of camaraderie and you're you're building that kind of that kind of uh, value together as a group, it's it's un it's unbelievable. Uh, we happen to be in a season right now in wedding photography on the west coast of the United States, where there's there's phenomenal competition and phenomenal camaraderie. Like we deeply care for each other. The group of people that that I find myself in the middle right now, where we're helping each other out, we're referring each other, and we're also going head to head on jobs. And we're also, you know, speaking and, you know, we're playing leadership roles with the photographers and it's thrilling because we're all making each other better and we're all helping each other out tremendously in the process. So I think it's critical. If you don't, if you don't do it, I think it's just short-sighted. Yeah, because the work, it seems like it, it's, it can be isolating already just because of the nature of itself. <laughs> yeah. And well, think of all the, think of all the, uh, the, the, the sad, lonely photographers around the world. You know, there's so many of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, when you were at, at the uh, WPPA, um, right? Yeah. This uh, or WPI this this weekend, I'm sure there was a lot of talk about the state of the economy, and and the challenges that are faced there. And but one of the things I think that times like this offer, it offers people an opportunity to make a real dramatic shift in their lives. To make a real, uh, to yep. make a, a big choice that they otherwise might not make if things were comfortable, and I think one of the yep. big questions people ask themselves is, "I want to do this, but am I ready?" So when people yep. ask that question of you, is like, "Well, am I ready?" What's what's your response or what's your question back to them? Uh, probably, uh, probably, are you sure you want to ask that question? It's probably not the right question to ask. Uh, if you're not ready. Like, do you have any kids by chance? No, I don't. No. If I, I have four kids, and if someone were to ask me, like, uh, or if I were to ask somebody, if someone were to ask me, you know, am I ready to have kids? I'd say, no, no one's ready to have kids. No one's ready to get married. <laughs> no one's ready to make a break. We're, we're not born ready. We grow into ready. And I think that's where the, you know the assertive win. Uh, but you can't, you can't like pull your punches to make my metaphor is you, get, you have to commit and be all in on it and if you're all in on it there's a hope 
Uh, and if the, you know, you might fail, you might go on a glorious, you know, ball of fire, but, but you're guaranteed to fail if you don't commit. So if you're asking yourself, am I ready? I'd say, no, you're not. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's no one is. But if you're willing to go for it uh, because you're, you're compelled by it, you cannot not do it. Um, one of my favorite stories I've ever heard is my, my friend, um, she's an attorney, and she lives up in Santa Barbara, California, and uh, dear friend, uh, Toya. And Toya, when she went to law school, or she was going to, getting ready to go to law school, she was senior in college, and she was uh, up in the Oregon area. And uh, she walked in and talked to some, some third-year law students and said, you know, can you give me some feedback? Do you think I'm ready? This is my, you know, my, my story and my background and my grades. And, and these third-year law students, were, one in particular, pulled her aside and said, if there's anything you could do besides this, anything, go do it. Don't become an attorney. <laughs> you're going to go on a three-year library tour. You're going to be. You're going to hate life if you can find anything. But if you cannot not do this, come on in because we're going to have a lot of fun. Hmm. And I think there's something about that that I wish we had more. I wish we had fewer more committed photographers in our industry. You know, the best news about photography is anybody can be a photographer, and the worst news about photography is anybody can be a photographer. And it would be it would be nice if. Um, people did a little bit more of a gut check and it wasn't just clever or novel because there's so much, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the idea of being an amateur photographer. I think amateur photographers really are the lifeblood of, of this, of this art form that we're in the middle of this creativity thing we're doing. And, uh, because they, they, they do it for the love of it. Uh, and I think professionals, uh, it's not too different than like college sports and professional sports. Once it goes pro, there's a, there's a temptation to really, to lose your heart. And I wish there were more professionals who still had amateur status, but they still claimed their love of the game. Because um, I think it would make for a better industry for all of us. Yeah. What do you think about the idea of being able to claim you're a photographer without being a professional? Well, all depends on how you define professional. I think for a lot of years, professional meant uh, you know the time you've spent or uh, the dues paid or whatever. And I, I, I mean, I have all the respect in the world for people who've logged serious time in, in the industry and have seen the ups and downs and, you know, the, the, all the different transitions that people have gone through. I really do have respect for it. But I still would not characterize professional in those categories. I think professional has more to do. Um, one of my dear friends, a guy named Brad Elliott, really mentor of mine in photography, a Brooks trained guy, I remember early on asking him, um, you know, what is a professional? And he said, well, I don't know what the right answer is, but a professional in my mind is in any con anybody might get a lucky shot here or there, but a professional will always get the shot, no matter what. They're committed. And what I, what I was struck by, especially as I've thought about that over the years, is that has nothing to do with photography. Uh, there's a skill set you need to have, and you need to have logged your you know, 100,000 shutters or whatever you need to get some, get some backbone to you. But commitment has more to do with your, your character. Are you are you going to find a way? And I, w I wish I wish we could redefine professional in that kind of category, because I think there'd be more hope. I think a lot of folks, because of the pretense that's involved with our industry, or at least has been historically, uh, it's tempting to decide. You know, what, what does full time? What does professional just mean full time? Or that I happen to be able to figure out a way to get money out of this? Or is professional more of an attitudinal thing where? Yeah. Uh, I'm willing to uh, do whatever it takes to get get what's required. Yeah, and I think if people, you know, 
take the time to look into the history of photography, they'll, they'll often find that the people who are regarded as some of the greatest photographers of all times would never have qualified as professionals. They were That's devoted, right. <laughs> they were devoted <laughs> amateurs who spent hours and hours just making images, but, you know, doing something else to actually put food on the table. Of so, course, of course. But let me let yeah, me ask I, you. And not, and not just photographers, by the way. That's that's true of every. I mean, uh, most writers. Uh, we name them professional in retrospect. They weren't professional when they were doing it. That's <laughs> 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 funny. Anyway, sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, but, but I want to get, get to your your book, Fast Track Photographer, and like you said, yeah. it's been described as the f- photography book that's not about photography. And um, I really love what you, what you've brought you brought to the table with that but what when you were when you sat down to write this thing what yeah. were you hoping for because there god knows if you go to any bookstore there's there's no dearth of of, of books on on this topic so what were you yeah. thinking that you were bringing to the table that was different from what existed out there and what were you hoping that people who read this book would would get you're a great interviewer man uh, a great question uh, you know, just uh, on a on a subjective level, I was just so terrified of screwing up. I I just didn't want I didn't want to write something that someone would actually read and do, and I would somehow misdirect where they were headed. Because uh, I, I I was feeling the weight of my reputation being put on the line. It's one thing to talk out loud about things, but when you write it down, <laughs> um, it, 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 there's something that's just scary about it. Yeah, and and in a good way, in a healthy way, and I think. Um, the bottom line is I didn't want to screw anybody up. Um, but that's in the negative and the positive. What I, what I found myself in the middle of was because of the, you know, again, these ventures, you know, simple for the minutes way back when, I didn't mean to do this, but I found myself interviewing and hanging out with some of the best in, in my world, and, and they're, good, they're good people. And they were starting to bleed on me a little bit. I was getting influenced pretty significantly by some of these folks, both uh, from, a, from the craft of what we do as well as, the uh, the business side of things and entrepreneurial side and creativity globally how you can be creative with all that we do and um, but what I noticed was we didn't have a common language we didn't have a vernacular in our industry to be able to talk about uh, about what's going on for the individual photographer and how can where do they find their identity and their value and and how can they get the most out of what they were created to be um, and how can they do that in a way that doesn't get them them hamstrung in, in bad attitudes and, and pre-mentorana attitudes. And, you know, I, I, I spent six years living in Santa Barbara, and that's the home of Brooks, um, Brooks Institute, and uh, a lot of amazing photographers have come out of Brooks over the years. But for in my experience um, uh, of Brooks grads, and some of them are my very good friends. I'm not saying this universally, but a number of folks, it seemed as though the school was actually breeding a pre-mentorana attitude where people would come in and, uh, and I don't mean to pick on Brooks in this way. I think this is true of all art schools. Um, but they come in with this passion and enthusiasm and love for it. Uh, for, and then they, they get, kind of get that beaten out of them, and they come out um, kind of pseudo-intellectual artists. And um, I, I'm sad about that because I think it, it really it, 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 it misses something. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was hoping to try to name those things. Really nothing more than that. I just wanted to name what I was watching. And was hoping that that in naming it, it would contribute in a way that the book would become bigger than me, and that it would be a movement, that there'd be a, a better sense of value, um, 
because people would would get back to their roots, get back to their passions. And 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 my goodness, I I uh, I hope I, that I contributed a little bit in that direction. But the feedback I've received, at least so far, um, I've just been I've been so humbled. I mean, thirty six countries of people have bought this book, and um, some of those countries I don't think they speak English. And uh, and and. and and, and I think I think you know you mentioned all the different photography books that are out there. There are a lot out there, uh, a lot of very good ones, by the way. Um, but 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 there aren't a lot of. Um, I, I make this comment in the book that you know if, if you're going to write a, a fishing book, uh, you can talk about fishing all day long. But but uh, I'm more interested in the fishermen, and I think that I'm tired of fish books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I wish I want. I want to get us to have a more robust conversation, and I actually hope I hope there are books that come after mine that really that speak to who we are, to our. Because I think I really, at the end of the day, I think if we get the who right, like who we actually are, then the what and the how become really evident. But if we lead with the what and the how, uh, and we try to do the who later, the soul searching work later, work later, we either skip that work entirely or we become really disoriented. It's very hard to do. Yeah. But I think that, that, that when artists over the years in any, in any industry or genre say, I need to be true to who I am, what they're speaking to is who they are as a, a created being. Uh, because as a created being, they're meant to be creative. Mm. And it, it's hard work to get in touch with that. Mm. And I, I wanted to contribute to that conversation. Mm. Well, briefly, tell us about your new podcast venture, which is Ask Dane. What's that about? Ask yeah, yeah. Afstain.com. It's uh, sometimes I think I take myself a little too seriously, and <laughs> it's good to mix it up a little bit. And I remember when I first did the video podcast way back when, this before a minute. There was one video podcast I did episode where um, I think it was 17 minutes, and my friend David J said to me, uh, "Okay, that that podcast was neither simple nor a minute," and, <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. And I thought uh, if I was going to Knowing what I know now in terms of the experience of those things, I thought, why not create a really accessible um, uh, podcast that's rooted in the fast track philosophy? And so we came up with Ask Dane, and the the uh, the format's really, I think, really simple. It's over ninety seconds every time, it's uh, or less. It starts off with a question that I actually get from from uh, real human beings, real photographers, and I try to answer it in a funny way, and then I try to answer it in a serious way. And the hope of it is to not give too much content. The hope of it is to actually inspire people and connect with people so that they can create their own content out of it. And uh, I'm hopeful that it, it'll, it'll benefit folks. Uh, we've been at it since January 1st, and I think we've done like nine or ten episodes so far. We have, we have a lot more in the can, and they're done now. And I do it with the Bowie Brothers, and I'm super stoked on, on what we've come up with. I think the fusion of video and still and, and leveraging those things to communicate, we're just the beginning of that work. And uh, I think... I'm hopeful that this will be a, a again a fun, lighthearted contrib- contribution to to helping um, the everydayness of our photo lives uh, not only move along but maybe inspire a little bit and, and get some more with them. Well, I look forward to each episode. I think they're they're great fun, and, but they're also very insightful. So, congratulations cool. on that. Okay, well, oh, my, my pleasure. Well, my last question is always: I ask the photographer to suggest another photographer that are listeners go out and explore and discover. So who would that be for you and why? Well, you know, I, I, I didn't know that question was coming. It's my fault. I should have known that. But um, I did mention John Michael Cooper a few times, and 
uh, there's a lot of folks I can mention that, that I, I just am, am very impressed with. Um, uh, one person that I mentioned in my book is a, a relatively new photographer. Uh, her name is Jasmine Starr. I'm very impressed with what she's done in a very short amount of time. Uh, very impressed with uh, a guy who's 10 years younger than me and in many ways is my mentor, David Jay, and uh, another one, Mike Cologne. Um, uh, in Orange County in the West Coast, there's a lot of great shooters. I'm very impressed with Mira Co right now. Um, Jasmine Starr, or, or uh, Jessica Clare, Becker, others. Um, but the the one creative, I think, especially given our conversation, is John Michael Cooper. And you can find him at altf.com, A-L-T-F dot C-O-M. And, uh, and just, just look at his work. And, and, uh, and I hope you get a chance to, to get him on here because I think he'll be, he'll be glad you did. He's, he's a quirky guy, true creative, but he is... Um, he can't help himself to be creative, and, and I'm just so impressed with what he's done over the years. He deserves to be highlighted more and more. Well, great. Thank you so much, man, and thank you for, for, for joining us today. Oh, anytime. I, I'm a fan of you, and I think what you're doing for our industry is significant, and I'm just so grateful for people who are willing to put themselves out there, not only for themselves, but also for the sake of our industry. We need leaders like you, so thank you for all you do. Thanks for joining me for another episode. If you have any comments or suggestions, please email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com. Post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com or post a message on our Facebook group at facebook.com. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com